Good afternoon. Uh, I'm Gareth Davis. It's Monday, uh, April the 27th, I think it is. Um, it's uh, a chat this afternoon with Britain's Roberto Duran, as I call him. Um, it's Robert Smith, the General Secretary of the Boxing Border Control. It's about four weeks since we spoke, Robert. You called off boxing in April. You called off boxing in May. The right decision, in my view. Um, I know you're busy working behind the scenes and everybody wants to know when boxing is going to come back. Where are we at the moment with it? Well, we'll be reviewing it in May with regard to June. I mean, I was a couple of, months, well, a couple of weeks ago thinking that we maybe get going in the middle of June to the end of June. Um, we've got a lot of things taking place with regard to discussions with the doctors, etc., and also government officials. If that goes into J July, so be it. But we're hopeful we can get something going as soon as we possibly can. We're well aware that we need to get boxing back on, back on board. Um, how that happens, we're not too sure yet. It's more than likely we'll be behind closed doors, um, but we're just keen to get things moving. So, uh, but things are changing every day, Gareth, you know, as well as I do. And really, we're, we're at the mercy of what the government um, uh, decide, and quite, and quite rightly so. Um, and we'll just take our advice from them once they've decided where we move and if the lockdown is lifted what restrictions we have in place we'll work around those restrictions to see if we can run a boxing show and if we can we will so march april may middle of june how many shows in your mind do you estimate we will have lost in that time in britain well, i think we'll have lost 60 60 like that if you I mean, we're talking you're talking march april may is very busy time and was it last year or the year before we had in march we had 15 shows over a period of a weekend um mm. so if we're on the same scale as the last as last year and, and it looked like we were i mean we i think we had march had something like 29 30 shows booked we obviously stopped boxing on the 17th of march so we're halfway through it so we lost half those shows um april we would have had similar um, and May would have been similar because you're leading into the summer period. Um, uh, so obviously we're quite busy going into June, July. Um, lot, so we'd be hit quite bad. A lot, of, um, a lot of people out there within the industry saying that fight sports might be one of the last to come back because there are seasons with a lot of the other sports that they need to just complete. Whereas we... We're, we're a kind of, we're, our algorithm is quite random, isn't it? It doesn't, nothing needs to take place before certain times. So do you think we may be one of the last sports to come back? I think there's a possibility, but I don't think it's just because of that. I think um, the main reason, so we don't, we don't have a season, as, well, we used to have a season when I was boxing many years ago, but it's not a season anymore. Uh, but we don't have a fixture list as such, um, with cup finals and whatever going to take place and somebody's got to win a league. We don't have that. So you can, we've got a bit more leeway with regard to that. Um, but of course, our major issues is the medical issues and getting them in place before we can actually start running a show. Now, if we're a little bit later than the other sports because of that, then so be it. But we've got to make sure we get it done right. I don't think we'll be too much later. Um, we are working very hard to make sure that when we are given the all clear, we can go. The other thing is if you compare us to football or rugby, etc., and cricket, you know, they have their own training facilities. These people can go to, the, go to their clubs. They obviously uh, train as, as we're instructed to train, not next to somebody, etc. But in the boxing world, it's slightly different. There's different gyms all over the place. So 
you know, you're not, not in one particular gym all the time. So it's different how we operate. I do think that once we are given the go ahead and we, we have the restrictions in place that we can work with, um, you got, you're talking four or five weeks before the first show takes place anyway. People aren't training, they're not sparring. Depends what sort of shows you want. Um, we've got to consider whether we allow championships straight away, um, which we are considering. Um, main reason is numbers. We've got to limit the numbers of people taking going to these events if we go the behind closed door route. So there's a lot of things to juggle around, a lot of logistics and whatever. So really, we're just, we, we, we hope, we, we, and I'm confident, we'll have things ready to go once we're given the all clear. So presumably then, logistics and the safety around all the logistics are the key. So do you have to test? It's going to be behind closed doors to begin with, presumably, yeah? So I would say that I would say 95% at the present time, the first shows will be behind closed doors. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't hand on heart, definite, but I think it looks very, very much like that. But again, it is down to the restrictions we have when the government let us know in May sometime what they're doing. So where do you think those behind closed doors will be? Will it be TV studios? Will you build something specific? Will it be used once a week? Will there be uh, a queue? Will it be the promoters who've got TV deals? Who, how, how do you think that may work? Well, I think that the promoters who have TV deals, um, you know, we've done we've done fights uh, or contests um, behind closed doors before. Um, so, you know, I've been involved with one that I can remember many years ago, but it has happened. Um, so, what was idea, that, Robert? Pardon? What was that one? About many years ago, if you remember Johnny Johnny Wishes and used to work for yeah. uh, Barry Hearn, and we put together a, a Barry had a contract with a Polish TV company. He needed to do, put something on. I think a show had been cancelled for some reason, and we went behind closed doors. I think it was in Elstree or something like that. I can't remember, but it's a long time ago. But we did it, and it worked. Um, and so it can be done. So how many people were there? How many people do you think there uh, were? It was it was it was virtually it was just a TV crew board officials, etc., like that. There have been a few more other people um, knocking around, but not, nothing major. Um, so in principle, we did it. Um, you know, so, you know, you would think that the ideal location would be a TV studio. Um, but obviously, once we find out if that's going to be the case, we've got to go there and check everything's all right with regard to the facilities, uh, which I'm sure they will be okay, but we need to go and check it. Um, but you'd have thought that was the the ideal place to do a show. Other than that, if, if a promoter wishes to build a purpose-built venue as such, then that's obviously something we have to be involved in with regard to the facilities there. And so be it, if that can happen, it will happen. And in your mind, um, yes or no, everyone wearing masks apart from the boxers? I would, I would, well, not a doctor, but I would have thought that was a very strong possibility, yes. Ring card girls? No, I don't. I think I think what we need to do. I say this is something for the, for me to discuss with the promoters, etc. But I think we need to, if it is behind closed doors, we need to make sure we have the minimum amount of people there. Um, you know as well as I do. When you start racking up the numbers of people, board officials, uh, TV people, um, employees of the promoter, etc. These numbers start building up very, very quickly and you're 50, 60 before you know where you are, maybe 100 before you know where we are. So I think we all have to be very sensible and decide how, who we're going to allow in. Also, there's going to be restrictions with regard to individuals' health. 
and age limits. You know, the government are telling us everybody over 70 should be, should, should be self-isolating. So we have to consider that. Um, so there's a lot of things to consider. Certainly the health issues with regard to the people working the tournament. If you have chest infections, if, you've been, if you have other medical conditions, then you, know, you shouldn't attend these events. So it's going to be, it's going to be tested, but I'm sure that you know, we have the will to do it and we want to do it. How do you go about, for example, like say, say you've got a card with five, five fights, ten boxers. Do you allow one quarterman, just the trainer? But how do you go about testing everyone that's on your rotor for being COVID negative, if you like? Well, I think the first thing is we'll have to we'll find out who's boxing on the show and find out who's and, 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 and advise how many people they can have in the corner. If we go the one corner man route, um, then obviously we need to know who they are. They're all license holders with the board, so we have a record of who they are. We would make sure that they, if, if, they, if it is decided that everybody has to be tested, um, then we will make sure that they are tested. We get the results, and if you're negative, we are okay to carry on. Um, obviously, they maybe have to go into set provision where the, the promoter has to supply a hotel for four, five, six days or so to ice, to, for these people to be isolated in that area. Uh, and we take it from there. And if it's positive, you don't come. And um, yeah. so, that will be the, that will be the same with all board officials, referees, timekeepers, and everybody like that. So, so it's a big it's a big ask, um, and it will take a lot of work between us and the promoters. But it, but if we really want to do it, it can be done. And and rather like that event last weekend in Nicaragua, where you saw them, they sprayed the ring after every bout. They, they, with disinfectant, it looked good. They sprayed the boxes down. They obviously, they were, they, they had a, they just sprayed them down. Um, does that, is that the kind of, um, kind of futuristic scenario we may, may be seeing at our first few events if this goes ahead? I'm not a doctor, Gareth. I will have to take advice with regard to how those things work and if they're, if they're, if they are the right things to do. But if we have to do it, we will have to do it. It's as simple as that. If we want the shows to go ahead, mm. if the promoters want to promote, if TV uh, and people want, want to get back boxing back on TV, and these are the provisors we have to put in place, we will put them in place. And, yeah. and I'm fairly sure that, you know, we've had, what we've done so far, we've notified all our license holders as we've gone along. Uh, we've notified the press as we've gone along. We haven't received very much criticism from anybody. I think everybody vast majority of the people in the sport are very supportive of what we're trying to do. And I think we realise how serious this situation is. And we're just a side product at the present time. Imagine this, someone gets cut during the bout, okay? You must have thought about this. Someone gets cut, obviously it's an open wound. Who knows what's around in the atmosphere? If someone's cut, are we going to have to end that fight? No, that's something we'll have to talk with the doctors. I mean, I, yeah, don't, know, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I wouldn't like to start making stipulations like that. Let's just speak to the experts and see how we get on. Is there, is there a pressing need to get back, though, so you can get more trinkets on your cabinet behind you? So that, um, no, is, is there more of a press? Is there a real pressing need for our industry to get back, do you think? Because there is massive desire for it from fans from the man in the street the woman in the street out there but also to get the ball rolling so some of these major major fights can happen because i don't imagine you're talking about tyson fury and deontay wilder here behind closed doors or vasil lomachenko and teofimo lopez or um unless that event you feel do you know what 
we might well do six million pay-per-views here because there's a real appetite for sport. What's your take on that? Do you think some of the big fights could happen like that? The really big ones, the Whites Povetkin, the the Chisora Usyk's, the the you know all these the, the Fortuna against Luke Campbell. Could some of these fights go that way? Well, first of all, I'm in my daughter's bedroom, so the trinkets behind me are all hers. So there's nothing. Okay, I was right. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, with regard, I think to begin Just with... Just to clarify that, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to be very sensible. I think to get things moving, we've got to keep it as simple as possible. Mm. And once we've got it as simple as possible and it works, we can review what we're going to do and how we can build it, okay? Now, I would be very surprised if, if um, a major fight, America, major, one of the major fights you're talking about would take place behind closed doors because... The promoter ultimately needs to add to his uh, money coming in from the TV companies and he needs to put spectators in there to do that, to be able to pay the boxers and to hopefully and hopefully make a profit so he can run again in the future. I would expect the initial number of tournaments, promoter is going to lose heavily financially, very heavily, by, having to, by, by doing what they're doing. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a need to a must. You've got to get, we've got to get the boxing back on board. They're well aware of the issues. Um, that are in place. Everyone I've spoken to, they're well aware of the issues. We're very keen, and we are. We, you know, we we, we don't want to. We don't want to be get left behind compared to other sports. Because um, there's TV slots and there's TV slots, and if you lose some, you might not get them back. And uh, and I know we, we we as an industry, and me as a regulator of the sport, working on behalf of the board, we need to assist everybody as soon as we, as much as we can to get them back, to get them back. Going back to the big fights, you're talking, if you're talking about the big major fights, you're talking about shipping in a load of people from overseas. You're talking about a lot of officials coming here. You're talking about other major things taking place with regard to what you need, etc. I think that's a long way off at the present time. Um, and I think you can only really do that on a, on a venue uh, like the O2 or something when you can actually have the space to do it properly. So I think the major fights now... I think you could start off with 10 rounders, eight rounders, 10 rounders, an area championship, maybe somewhere down the line, British championship, where we've got British people, people are from the same country and we're not shipping anybody in from abroad. And I think that's the biggest problem. But don't forget, if you bring a foreigner in, you've got to isolate them for 14 days as government guidelines. So that's an expensive thing for the promoters anyway. So I would say initially, it's all going to be British licensed boxers. I would have thought. Me. Yeah, and, and obviously in those you don't need judges because the referee can officiate, can't you? If you do, if you do a non-championship fight, we have scoring referees in this country. Yeah. So that reduces the amount of officials. So maybe that's the one. Well, listen, we talked to the ref, we talked to um, promoters before. I know some people would like to go straight onto championships. I know some people are quite happy to do an eight rounder or a ten rounder. Um, we'll do what we think is the right thing to do. And who knows? I mean, th things as I said earlier, things are changing all the time, Gareth. Come next week, we could be in a position where the government say, ever so sorry, there's been a big spike, we're not doing anything. Or, or it's all gone down and we're happy to, re to reduce something. So, you know, we, don't, you know, we, we can put things, in, well, we, want, we need to put things in place. So when we do start, we start. But you can't go, you can't speculate too much because we just don't know. What's your take on, on the UFC trying to do three events then on May the 9th, the 14th, sorry, May the 9th, uh, May the 13th, May the 17th in Flo Jacksonville, Florida, under the same precedence, um, under the same remit with 
you know, behind closed doors, skeleton audience, skeleton crew, um, and testing all the, the fighters before they, before they, the same principles, basically. Yeah. What's your take about them doing it so quickly, three events in a row? Well, that's, that's something, I mean, not, you know, there's nothing to say that we couldn't have a show on a Saturday and a show on a Wednesday, mm. if it's working right. I mean, I don't want to go, I wouldn't like to go in as quickly as that. But of course, you've got to, you, then you're talking about isolating quite a lot of boxers or, or athletes over a period of time. You know, we're talking about different, UFC, et cetera, is slightly different from us because it's all one group of people. We're dealing with a number of promoters. You know, we're not going to, I don't think promoters are going to share a show and stick everybody in the same hotel. No, that's true. Have you, that's not the conversation I'm having with people. On that point, have you spoken to the obvious promoters, yeah. Frank Warren and, and Eddie Hearn? Have you spoken to them at, at length? I've spoken to Frank Warren. I spoke to him this morning, actually. I have a lot of communication with Frank. I haven't spoken to Eddie, but I've spoken to Frank Smith, who does all the yeah. working with him. So that obviously that gets back to Eddie. And they're all on board. You know, they, they're all, they're all appreciate what they've got to do. And whether they have to hire a floor of a hotel or hire a, ho a whole hotel, etc., they're willing to do it. And, um, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. Um, and, you know, we're only in April at the present time. And, and a lot can change. Yeah, hotel sounds a very good option because presumably boxers then can have their own dressing room, their own room, they come down from their room with their trainer, etc., etc., and then presumably they have their fight and then they have to go. Well, I mean, it depends. We'll have to, you know, bus, if, you, if the hotel's away from wherever venue we use, you've got to bus them in, so they'll all be masked up, etc., whatever, coming from their rooms. Uh, box, you know, we would have to have good facilities at the venues, etc., so pe pe people can be cleaned. And we'll have showers there and then ship them back to the hotel. Um, so there won't be any hanging around for anybody, I wouldn't have thought. But, you know, these are things that, these are the final things you've got to think, uh, put in place. The most important things at the moment is the logistics of the testing. Can we do a show? What's the venue going to be like? Yeah. The little nitty gritty bits that come at the end, always come at the end and they always get sorted. Final thing. Obviously, we're all big supporters of the NHS. It's kind of gathered momentum in the last few weeks. Tyson Fury's dead, and obviously, I think he was boxing the same time you were boxing, pretty he much. Was actually, yeah, yeah. yeah a big, a Gypsy John Fury, and you know, he's a big lump. I mean, he, he's got more dangerous mythologically as the years have gone by, and he is, a, he is the size of a barn door, and he's got a voice like a big old bear, isn't he? Like crushed coal, and, and it always been fantastic with me, I've got to say. Um, um, is the prospect of him and this guy, Mickey Theo, boxing. People are talking about as a as a white-collar fight, but they're going to fight for the NHS, raise money for the NHS. Is that something the boxing board would get involved with, or is it, or is it just too random and too radical for you to be involved? No, we won't get involved in that. Simple. Well, on that note... <laughs> Uh, it's great to see you looking so well. It's great that boxing's in such great hands and, and such kind of um, thoughtful, considerate hands and that we do have an industry here that doesn't want to jump ahead of itself, doesn't want to make anyone unsafe. We've got enough going on as it is. It's great to speak to you, Robert. I can't wait to see you live at an event. No, no problem, Adam. Thanks very much for contacting me and wish you well. And obviously everybody, all the doctors and NHS staff, and, and, and key, key workers, you know, we owe a great deal of gra gratitude to all of you. Thanks very much and God bless you. Take care.
it's, it seems like anytime you come out with any form of reasoning, uh, yeah. the fans don't take too well to it. And I mentioned to David, no. like the toe incident, like granted your toe really was like an issue for you, but no one wants to hear that. What do you think of Deontay Wilder saying that he doesn't consider Tyson Fury, the current WBC champion, as they still have another fight? Uh, I find it a bit, it's a little odd, um, you know, because obviously, you know, just everyone can see. Wilder was a champion, Fury beat him, now Fury's a champion. So I think uh, credit where it's due, and, um, you know, we have a new champion, which is Tyson Fury. So Wilder's a straight-up guy anyways, you know. He's quite straight up, and he's, you know, he, he, he was a great champion. And then there is a third fight, but I think he, he should uh, maybe a little bit more respect to, to Fury, you know, because he is the champion now. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it can come off a certain way? Like when you, when people do. Yeah, I, I think when reason, people say. Like sometimes yeah, best just say that he was a better man on the night. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, you might say it in a way that you're not really, your intention wasn't the way that people are seeing it, but people take it differently. And so it's, I think it's just best, you know, after a fight or after a loss, just to accept it and move on. Because there's nothing much you can do about it. You can't change it. It's already happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dylan White fight, he says he had a broken hand and broken rib. I, listen, I, you get checked by the doctor before a fight. And if you're not feeling well, then you should tell the doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, I, um, for that fight, I flew from New Zealand to LA, LA to London, did the press conference, flew, you know, two days in London. I went to London, LA, LA, Vegas. I was messed up for three or four weeks in training camp. But mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't tell anyone or complain. It was just part of the process and part of the you know, leading into the fight and you go accept it. Mm-hmm. Who, of the three, because uh, the reason why I mentioned the three is because it seems like it's going to be those three that are going to end up fighting. It, obviously, we know we have the rematch between yeah. Tyson and Deontay. We have AJ versus Pulev next. But should, should it end up being the three that we're thinking, which is, you know, Joshua, Joshua uh, Tyson, and Deontay, who reigns, in your opinion? Tyson Fury. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, uh, from what he's, you know, the display, you know, he can box and move and he can avoid being hit. And then he can also stand there and fight and he can chase you down. And that's what we saw. I think a lot of people didn't and I believe what he said before the fight. You know, I want to put him on the back foot and I want to chase him down and knock him out. But, you know, because people haven't seen that side of him or people haven't seen him do that in a fight. I know you guys are mates, but uh, would you ever fight him? I wanted to fight him um, just to test myself against the, the person who I think is the best in our era. Mm-hmm. But I think he's, uh, he doesn't see me as an opponent or he doesn't see me as one of those fights that he's going to have before he retires. So, Do you so. think he's really retiring in the next, like, three fights? I don't think so. <laughs> you know listen. why? He told me, like, in one interview, he's like, I'm not retiring until, like, I'm 40. What else am I going to do with my life? And I'm like, and then the next time I interview him, he's like, I got three fights left. I'm like, Mm, no, <laughs> I don't yeah, believe yeah. We, we just don't know. He's very, um, he's unpredictable. Yeah. You know, he can say this and say that, but we just don't know what he actually has planned. So. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of backlash that can come with fighters trash talking. I wouldn't label you a trash talker at all. Like, if anything, you're no. very, there's, there's, there's two parties in this, right? There's 
the U's, and then there's like the Dillian Whites and Tyson Furies, where <laughs> all they do is like trash talk. Do you find that it's good for the sport when people do trash talk, or do you actually find it to be like detrimental, like it, it gives it a bad rap? I think boxing is a gentleman's sport. Um, but I, I think with the trash talking and, and everything that goes on, it just attracts uh, attention. Mm-hmm. And it's entertainment for some of it's real, and I don't know if some of it might not be real. But I don't know. I think everyone it makes the you know it makes the sport entertaining, and it's it's uh, everyone is unique in how they approach a fight and how they handle it and how they you know what they say. Yeah, I personally like when tables are thrown and chairs are flying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like that. I've always like I've always been drawn to uh, you know, like when Mike Tyson would always just trash talk. Like I yeah. love that so much. And Floyd Mayweather trash talk. I love it as well. I love it as well, but I, I can't just I can't do it. Like I, it's not in me. <laughs> um a lot of people are doing a bit of crossovers at the moment. <clears throat> Some are considering MMA, UFC, uh, others WWE. Is there anything that you would like to sort of cross over into anything at all? Table tennis. What? <laughs> uh, ping pong, table tennis. <laughs> <laughs> nah, listen, UFC is too dangerous for me. Um, kickboxing, I wouldn't do it. Probably, I don't know, I don't know golf. <laughs> something, something less physical. <laughs> I mean, you know, without any punch and kicks, something that you can, I mean, they, they still work very hard, but yeah, that's a, a lot of it's a, a mental game and also a thinking yeah. game. So I think I find it will will help mentally. Yeah, well, you're look you're thinking more so of a hobby. Probably a hobby, yeah. 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 So aside from boxing, there's no other sort of physical sport you would consider. <sighs> nah, not really. No, 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 not really. Nah. Fair enough. Boring. <laughs> um, who would you consider to be? the best of our era and that could be in any weight category the best in our era Ooh. i'm a fan of the heavyweight so mm-hmm. it'll have to be a heavyweight it'll be fury mm-hmm. fury and myself very close <laughs> <laughs> of course you gotta have that confidence right yeah okay so tyson fury yeah, yeah. what's I, a I fight fury. what's a dream fight for you i know 2020 looks really terrible at the moment um, but if we could get, as a fight fan yourself, like what fight would you like to see be made? Any- yeah, I want to see uh, Fury and Joshua. That's uh, the fight I want to see. Um, a pin- little, you know, yeah. Okay. I want to see the one one person who's going to, you know, rule in division. Mm-hmm. That that'll be the fight that I want to see. I think, and not only me, there's everyone else that wants to see that fight happen because you have two champions mm-hmm. and see who the ultimate champion is, who the unified champion. So we know that Alexander Usyk is is uh, now mixing it up with you guys. Potential opponent one day for you. Uh, based on his first performance, what do you have to say? What do you think? I think it was a good welcoming fight for him in the heavyweight division. It wasn't his best performance. You know, we've seen a lot better from him in the in the cruiserweight division. You know, and he's he's a fighter with a lot of skill and a lot of technique and. Um, very yeah, very skilled fighter, and I, I think that was a good welcoming fight. So the real test is when he fights Shasora, how he's going to look, how he's going to do, and that'll be. I think everyone's eyes will be on him at that time. 
So who who do you see winning that fight? Because that is it's an interesting matchup, isn't it? Very interesting. I for me, I mean, Chisora is one of those fighters who's it's like he's had this um, resurrection of his career. You know, he went from yeah. being the man, then so went down. Now he's gone up again, and everyone, he's captured everyone's attention. Everyone's just, everyone, you know, in the UK love him. They want to see him fight, and you know, because he's just one of those fighters who just comes forward and, and takes it to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I have to side off uh, Usyk just because of the skill. You know, I'm not sure if, if he uh, just all able to catch him. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that Usyk? Because it looks like it looks like hopefully by 2021 we should have one champion, right? Lord willing. Um, do you think Usyk has the chance? Like, does he? Do you see him having the ability and the talent enough to beat the likes of like Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua? I don't know. It's significantly smaller. Not to say that size has everything to do with it. We know that's not always the case. But do you think that he has what it takes to dethrone either one of them? Uh, that's a hard one for me to decide. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Probably not. Mm-hmm. I, I Listen, I want to fight him. I think I can beat him. Mm-hmm. So just uh, it's interesting times because there's so many good fights that can be made. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it, It's... It wasn't like this even just three years ago, so it's pretty great. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, it makes it it makes it a lot more exciting. I want to know, like, when I get asked this question, I don't always have the answer to it. I know it's terrible. I should, but I'm gonna ask it to you and see what you have to say. Who is Joseph Parker? Who is Joseph Parker? Ooh. Right? Uh, a tough one. I'm always like... It's a... Uh, I'm known for being a fighter, boxer, but I think the person is uh, a good family man. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, a good family man who loves his parents and uh, a good father. Mm-hmm. That's... I think that's first and foremost. And then boxing and everything else comes yeah. after that. Tell us something that people don't really know about you. Like, is there, is there a hobby, things that, I don't know, anything that we may not know about you aside from boxing? Um, I mean, what do I do? I, I love fishing. I, you know, my, as, a, as a young boy, my dad t- taught me how to take the boat out and go fishing. And um, probably at the age of 13, 14, I started taking people out myself. Mm-hmm. You know, on the boat and I could, you know, navigate and go, I know exactly where to go. Uh, what else? I like to eat raw fish straight out of the water, pick it up, bite really? the head and then, and then, and then eat it like that. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. I'd be one day I should show you. Like one of the little bones stuck in my, cause I, I try to eat, eat it like just as is like slightly, yeah. slightly cooked, but um, it's hard to eat fish that way. Catch it and then bite the head, and then it stops. And then, are you serious? I'll send you a video the next time it happens. Okay, <laughs> serious. Yeah. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that. Yeah. Okay, I'll show you. And then, you know, what else? This is pretty much it. And uh, you know, the young age, my dad taught me how to fix cars, and he taught me many things. Um, and and obviously, in, and got me involved in boxing. So, um, I'm very close to my family, and I've learned a lot over the years. And what else is there? And 
I can count. I can still say my name, so I haven't been punched in the head a lot. <laughs> That's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, lastly, I want to know, what was it particularly that inspired you to go into the sport of boxing? Because I always joke and say that you kind of have to have a few screws loose to get into yeah. boxing, to take on a career where you're hit in the head for a living. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, my, I, I, maybe I have screws loose. I don't know. Uh, my dad's name is Dempsey. You know, he's named after Jack Dempsey, the you know, champion from back in the day. So he always loved boxing, couldn't box himself. Um, disability or some, as a baby, someone stood on his leg. So one leg is smaller than the other leg. Uh-huh. And he introduced myself and my brother to boxing. And then uh, we fell in love with boxing at a young age. And and then I got to the point where I was fighting as an amateur and I was getting one fight, probably got hit too many times. And my dad said, hey, son, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't, you should stop boxing, um, you know, if you're going to get hit a lot. And I said, dad, it's too late. You know, I already love the sport, got a passion for it. And um, you either, you know, support me or don't watch. <laughs> so he's been a very supportive father and comes to all my fights. And uh, boxing blessed me because I can, um, you know, I, I can travel the world, but I can also take my parents with me everywhere. They've been all over the world and they, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. But to also be like represent New Zealand the way that you have, because correct me if I'm wrong, but you're the first world champion out of New Zealand, correct? First world champ. I think the, there was a champion, Marcelino Masoy. I think he was a welterweight, okay. uh, Samoan fighter. But then also David Tour was very close to being a champion. I think he knocked out four world champions, but he wasn't champion himself. Right. So I'm, yeah, I'm the first heavyweight world champion. And how has the country embraced you? How has how that been like? They've been very supportive and uh, they still following my career and they're still, you know, hoping that I become a two-time world champion or unified champion. So New Zealand and Samoa have been very good to me. When when you do that, they need to make a Joseph Parker day. <laughs> if, I, if I become unified or champion. Name a, street, name a street after you, Joseph Way or Joseph Parker yeah, or, Way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or change my street name. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oscar De La Hoya did that when he lived up in Big Bear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, he, he was around. He's been, he was a good fighter. He was a great fighter, actually. Yeah. Well, you know what? I appreciate you uh, sitting and speaking with me. I know the time difference. I'm glad it worked out because I know it's early morning there. It's going into uh, mid-afternoon here. What else? Do you have anything you want to say? Is there anything at all? Maybe a message to anybody? Just a message would be um, for everyone at this time to stay positive and stay safe. And remember, the most important thing is to have fun. Yeah. And, uh, um, life is too short to be miserable or to be down. So even though we're in this situation, let's find a positive thing about it and, and have some fun. I completely agree with that. I'll tell you one thing. It's, I felt like I've always appreciated my family a lot because I'm very close with them as well. But this is like next level, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like it really yeah. puts things into perspective and to not take a single day for granted. And I think we're living in that every single day. So if there's a lesson to be learned throughout the world, it's to, to be appreciative and grateful for the moment. Make the most of every day 
and uh, show appreciation. Hey, Fi fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fi fans. Danny Flexen for seconds out here with WBO number one contender at Super Lightweight, Jack Catterall. You've been hearing that description probably for longer than you'd like, haven't you? Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Uh, it's long overdue and probably delayed even more now, but we'll get there. What, what have you been led to understand? Because obviously uh, the champion Ramirez was making defence of his other, a mandatory defence of his other belt. I mean, he's defending both, but it was mandatory for the other organisation against Victor Postal. That's now been performed yeah. twice. As far as you're aware, as soon as they have that fight, you're next in line, right? That's, that's what I'm under the impression of. Uh, I believe Frank's made a few statements in the last couple of months saying that fight's got to be next. Uh, so I'm under the under the impression it's got to happen. Obviously, we've still got to get round to the postal fight happening. Uh, but there is also, we know there's talk of a unification fight between uh, Josh Taylor and Ramirez. Uh, granted, he wins that fight against Postal, which I think is a tougher fight than a lot of people, a lot of people uh, think. And obviously, Josh has got to get his mandatory out of the way first. So there's a lot going on in the division, but I'm number one. So hopefully I get my shot. How disappointed would you be if he ended up vacating the title? You'd still get your world title shot, of course, which is the dream, but it wouldn't be the mega fight against Ramirez. Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't be the mega fight. And obviously, it'd be nice to fight for the two belts instead of one, uh, managing for the WBO one. But uh, I can't see him uh, vacating that belt to go into a fight with Taylor, with one belt and Taylor obviously having the two belts. So I don't know it would like you said, I don't think if I got to fight for the world title, that's what I've worked towards. It'd be nice to fight Ramirez, who's had had the belt, had a couple of defences, but uh, what will be, will be. How hard has it been to kind of keep ticking over while you've been waiting for the fight? Because you want to keep testing yourself to stay at the high level you've achieved, but you don't want to take unnecessary risks when you've got a world title shot in the bank. Of course, that was always uh, the dilemma we've come across the last couple of fights. Uh, boxed in Dubai in November and then before that April uh, in London it was kind of you build yourself up and it's like who can you fight a mandatory for the world title that's what you want to fight for do you drop right down and fight somebody and come down to their level do you risk fighting somebody in the top 10 and there's always that chance of getting beat all it takes is one punch which kind of puts you in a bit of a sticky situation uh, and obviously after after this uh, virus has passed God willing, that soon. I'll be back in that position again, I guess. It'll be, right, I've not been in the ring for so long. Got to get a fight. Who do you fight? Where do you fight? What do you fight for? So, but I do believe Frank, my management team, have got my best interest and hopefully something can uh, come to light towards the end of the year. I mean, with Ramirez fighting Postal, you're not going to want to come off this long layoff, extend it even further and then fight the biggest fight of your life. Presumably, you're going to want at least one fight first as well. Of course, yeah, I believe that I do need one more fight before that. Uh, I'll be in this, everyone's in the same position. It's not just me. That's uh, Obviously, my fights have been a bit slow for the last probably 18 months, but everybody's in the same position now. Uh, everybody's at home, training from home, doing what they can. 
Uh, and as soon as the shows commence again, everybody will be itching to get out and I'll be, hopefully, I'll get out again before I get me shot at the world title. Training-wise, how much have you been able to do while you've been at home and, and restricted in terms of going out and things like that? Yeah, I've been, I've been ticking over. I've been running, cycling. Uh, quite fortunate that I've, I've got a bag delivered, so I've put a punch bag up in the garage. Uh, and yeah, I've got some dumbbells. So just been eating well, looking after the body, training, doing what I can. Uh, we're all in the same position, aren't we? I think just got to make the best of this situation. How much are you missing the lads? Yeah, it's, it's quite mad. You go from driving to the gym every day, having a coffee with the lads, training, having a crack, and then you're just at home. Uh, pretty mad, really. I've spoke to the lads. Uh, we all have a little group chat and have a laugh, but it's not the same going there to the gym every day, missing it now, but just one of them, isn't it? You've got a, a new addition joining you when you go back. We have indeed. <laughs> uh, big big white rhino, that'll be, that'll be interesting. So, yeah, looking forward to just getting back in the gym, everybody getting fight dates and, and putting the work in. If ever a fighter seemed to fit in a certain gym, it seems to be Dave Allen in that gym. Definitely, I think uh been talked about in the past about him joining the camp and uh, Jamie rang us and we had a uh, we had a talk and he was explaining uh, things and I think it fits for Dave I think although our gym there's a lot on social media and we do have a really good laugh and everybody gets on the hard work gets done and I think it's got to be that that right environment for certain people where uh, you fit in you have a laugh but you get to work I think it'll work well for Dave just describe for us what joining that gym's done for you. Obviously, you've been there for a long time now, but just tell us what it's done for you. And also, subsequent to that, the addition of Kyle Frampton, a two-weight two, two world champion as well. Yeah, it's been massive for me. I think uh, one of the main reasons I joined, I needed, to, needed that new lease of life, and it definitely gave me that. I'm in the gym with the likes of Martin, Rocky, Frampton, Tommy Coyle, and Jamie especially, really. Uh, they've all been and fought at high levels. Uh, world champions, British champions, they've been in them fights. And to train alongside people preparing for world title fights, you can take a lot from that. And then on the flip side to that, it's just it just suited me being in the right environment. Uh, just felt really comfortable in there. And what's the ultimate dream? Is it simply the world title at super lightweight or do you have ambitions to go through the weights or to unify? What What's kind of your specific dream? Yeah, definitely. I've, uh, I've always dreamt of being world champion and I'm closing in on that now. But I mean, once that, hopefully once I capitalise on that, I want to go on to defend the world title, possibly in the future, move up to welterweight and uh, just keep achieving everything I can in the sport. Brilliant. Well, really appreciate your time during this um, crazy period we're all going through. And hopefully I can get up to the gym once all this is over. Yeah, definitely. No, thank you for the call. And like you said, when it's all back to normal, definitely come up to the gym and have a catch up. Danny Flexen for seconds out here with Dimitri Salita, former professional boxer, of course, and now head of Salita Promotions. How's everything going on the East Coast of America? 
Midwest. I'm in. Oh, I'm in Midwest? Michigan. I'm in Michigan. Oh, I yeah, but everything's going. You're in New York. But you know, everything is pretty much the same. Everybody's quarantined, um, so it'd probably be the same in New York uh, as it, as it is right here in Michigan. The only difference is that I'm sitting here, I sat on the porch, and there's birds singing. Um, so that's a good thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad. Um, how are you finding kind of coordinating everything with your guys while all this is going on? Uh, what are the kind of main challenges you're facing? Well, obviously, everybody wants to fight, um, and uh, you know the guys that are uh, uh, just starting out or mid-level want to keep busy, want to make money, uh, to you know to, to to keep progressing their careers and support themselves financially. So th there are those challenges, that, you know. And the interesting thing is that this is not just in the United States or not just in one country. This is all over the world. So and and pretty much the lockdown and the quarantine seems to be, uh, generally speaking, same amount of time and same the same days all around the world. So we're just communicating with fighters. Uh, just now starting to talk about general times that boxing may come back. Um, we've uh, doing a lot of stuff on social media, uh, Instagram, mostly with YouTube, uh, posting lots of fights uh, of different fighters. Uh, we doing a train like a boxer uh, bit where fighters uh, from all over the world that we work with uh, post their training routine at home and uh, urge boxing fans uh, to follow along to what they do and stay in shape. So that's pretty cool. We had Clarissa, we had Otto Whalen, uh, several other fighters as well. So that's, that's, that's been pretty good. Also posting, uh, posting, uh, many of our older fights and doing deals with some other promoters of posting their older content on our YouTube channel. So that's been, you know, going great. I see that, you know, the views are significantly higher than they would be under normal circumstances, obviously. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, for all of us hoping and praying this comes to uh, some type of resolution in a healthy way and we can all start uh, going back to our daily lives. And you said you've had um, all the boxers want to fight at the moment. Who's been kind of calling you the most? Who's the most keen to get back out there? I mean, well, you know, uh, everyone is kind of asked, you know, Clarissa, Clarissa Shields was supposed to fight May 9th uh, on Showtime here in Flint, Michigan against Marie DeCare for the unified uh, junior middleweight world title. That was a big fight. Big event for the city of Flint. Uh, you know, that, that's been delayed. Uh, so uh, the state of Michigan just extended the quarantine until May 15th. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm hearing now that uh, things will come back in stages. And I think that every state is going to be different. So, I mean, it's, you know, people guess and, and, and say all types of things in terms of, you know, when boxing is going to come back. Uh, will there be fans? Will there not be fans? And I, th I think that, uh, you know, only the future will tell because it all depends on how this virus is going to spread, how it's going to be controlled. Um, and, uh, and I believe every state is going to, you know, uh, uh, have their own rules uh, based on the amount of uh, sick folks they have and the ways they're dealing with it. Um, but uh, I do think that boxing is going to come back in some capacity early summer um and i do think that things are going to start getting back to uh to normal uh probably end of may early summer uh and it probably will be in stages in terms of getting back to normal life but you know this is just like really uh just so many lessons learned from this you know how many things we take for granted in our daily lives that you see uh you know uh 
this this disease took away from us. How do you think you would have coped with something like this back when you were a fighter? Um, well, I love to tra- I love to train, so um, not being able to go to the boxing gym that would have been very difficult, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, you do what you can by jogging, by running, by shadow boxing. Do what you can at home. Some guys have a you know have a gym at home. In my uh, younger place in Brooklyn, I had a heavy bag in my backyard, so uh, I would go and hit the bag. Uh, but it's definitely very challenging, um, and uh, uh, you know, and, and certainly top amateurs uh, and guys that are just starting their pro careers, uh, who are improving, who are getting sharper, you know, being out of the gym, being out of boxing for two, three months, that that could take a toll. Um, you know, at the highest level, if you want to get to that level. So uh, I know that it's frustrating, but the the kind of equalizer is that it's you know there's no one exempt no one exempt from this. Um, everybody's going through this together. Has it come at a particularly bad time for Otto, who you mentioned just now, in that he's just come off a career best performance, a performance that really raised his profile as well, and now he can't capitalize on it through no fault of his own. Yeah, I mean Otto. Uh, maybe the second, third best heavyweight in the world. Uh, and, you know, numbers don't lie. And he landed more punches against Tyson Fury than any other fighter that Tyson Fury has ever fought, which is pretty incredible. Um, and I did an interview yesterday with, uh, with uh, uh, Ellie Segback, and, and uh, he brought up the fight with Tyson Fury and, you know, saying that many folks felt that, uh, that Otto Whalen won. And, you know, in that cut, had it been anybody else, uh, that Otto scored in the second round, maybe the fight would have been stopped. So Otto did a great job, and he's been inactive going into that fight. Uh, so I, I'm very excited about him getting back in the ring and getting, staying active uh, and uh, climbing up the heavyweight ladder. But, you know, but Otto uh, has really had a challenging time after that Tyson Fury performance. He was supposed to fight Lucas Brown on the 28th of March, uh, and then he was in Vegas commentating for Swedish TV for the Fury Wilder card and he went to train and he twisted his foot and uh, so he had to pull out of that fight uh, and then his mom came to visit him in New York City and she got corona and he got corona and he actually just just we just he and I spoke over the weekend and he took the test and he you know he he uh, uh, he, he, he had it so being that he's a young strong athlete he, you know it didn't really uh, um, hit him and hurt him as much as it does other people but uh He's had some challenges, but we're very excited about him coming back. And hopefully when boxing comes back, he'll come back as well uh, and be ready for, for for bigger and better fights. So he didn't know he had Corona. You know, his mum had it, of course, but he didn't know that he'd caught it until afterwards. No, he did. Oh. Uh, he didn't know that he had it because he lost sense of taste and sense of smell. Ah, uh, right. That, that was, that, that was that, you know, that that's what he felt. But uh, he didn't have a fever. He didn't have a cold. But uh, he just felt low on energy, and, and he had these symptoms. Um, but uh, being that he didn't feel, you know, sick, sick, you know, he didn't. He, he just quarantined himself at home and didn't, you know, didn't go to the hospital. Uh, and fortunately, he was able to get through it um, in a good way. And is is his mother okay now as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's back in Sweden. Good. Yeah, glad, glad to hear that. Um, also, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about another heavyweight of yours, um, Jarrell Miller, who recently signed a mm-hmm. promotional deal with Top Rank. Just tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about how that deal came together between you guys, Greg Cohen, obviously, and, and Top Rank. 
Um, well, um, you know, uh, my first promoter as a fighter was was Top Rank and Bob Arum, and we did a fight with Otto Whale and Tyson Fury with with Top Rank. So we we have a great working relationship, uh, and uh, after the uh, um, uh, the Anthony Joshua fallout, uh, shortly thereafter, you know, we stayed in touch, and and uh, uh, and Greg uh, also has a good relationship with Top Rank, uh, and uh, uh, you know we we've had conversations, and uh, you know bit by bit we made it happen. So. Uh, a uh, great platform for Jarrell being on ESPN in the United States, uh, you know, the most established sports network um, in the world. And with Jarrell's personality and his skills, uh, I think that, that this will give him the opportunity to really, uh, you know, reach his potential. And I just saw a story from, uh, uh, from Anthony Joshua a couple of days ago saying the five guys that he liked to fight before he retires and Jarrell Miller was on, was on that list. So, you know, but being at the Garden, uh, June 1st, 2019, um, and seeing Andy Ruiz score that upset, uh, you know, I just uh, really believed that Jarrell had all the ingredients to be the guy, to be Andy Ruiz that night. But, uh, you know, Faith had a different plan, and uh, just keep trucking, and, and I think that Jarrell is going to get his, uh, his due, and, uh, and we'll have an opportunity to, to, to reach the highest level of boxing. He's undoubtedly talented, and as you say, he's got a great personality. But is he hard work for a promoter? Well, he is. Uh, uh, he's a great self-promoter, great talker. Um, the media loves to talk to him, um, and uh, you know, I've been involved with Jarrell since his second professional fight, and I really always recognize his talent, um, and uh, always recognize how good he was. Um, and I signed him really early on, maybe it was six or seven fights in. Um, and uh, at that time, uh, Golden Boy did a deal with the Broccoli Center. Uh, and uh, Brooklyn Boxing was a big deal. And Deontay Wilder, I think he just became heavyweight champion, maybe right before he was heavyweight champion, you know, was the face of Brooklyn Boxing. And I was thinking to myself, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, guy from Alabama, Sure. Uh, how is he the face of Brooklyn boxing when Jerome Miller lives, you know, six blocks away from the Broccoli Center or whatever? Uh, has a great personality uh, and and I think as talented. Uh, so I just saw that the potential was there, and I was really surprised when I signed Jerome. I was really surprised that uh, you know at that time the bigger, more established promoters didn't jump on him, didn't see the potential that I saw. Uh, but you know. That has really given me the strength being in the, you know, being kind of uh, in the gym, in uh, around uh, these great fighters to be able to recognize talent and, and, and to, to uh, see the potential uh, is really one of the things that, that kind of made me stack out, stand out of the pack and progress uh, as much as I have as, as a promoter in terms of recognizing talent and kind of seeing the potential of, of of what could be. Um, and I'm, you know, at that press conference with, with Jarrell Miller and Anthony Joshua, Jarrell fought for me, second professional fight at Roseland Ballroom, which is in Manhattan in, in New York City, I don't know, maybe seven, eight blocks away from the garden. Sure. And I saw him fight and I was like, man, this guy's the next heavyweight champion of the world, you know? And I told Jarrell that night. And then seven, eight years later, you know, we were going to fight at the biggest, uh, biggest arena in boxing uh, for the 
heavyweight world titles. That was really special. It didn't happen, but I think at some point it will happen. Some of the things he does, obviously, most notably before the Joshua fight, and some of the things he says as well, including about you, do you not get frustrated sometimes? Just think, God, I wish he had less of a kind of outgoing personality. Of course, you get frustrated and 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 uh, and uh, you know a little hurt, but you know what 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 are you gonna do? <laughs> and I and you know what you're you know, getting. And, and, you? and, and listen, well, I know so Jarrell. I know Jarrell. Jarrell used to go to training camp with me. Uh, when he was 16, 15, 16, 17 years old uh, in the Poconos. So I know Jarrell since he's a, you know, since he's relatively young. Uh, and so, you know, we've had a long relationship that's been through different, has gone through different stages. And, you know, and, you know, and Jer- sometimes Jarrell says stuff and people come and people talk, but people don't really know really what's going on. People don't know, you know, the things that happen and our relationship and all that. But I'm, it's 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 sometimes it's part of life and it's part of certain relationships. So, but I'm very happy that uh, that that uh, uh, we did a deal with Top Rank, we did a deal with ESPN, and Joel is now going to have a chance to showcase himself um, uh, on ESPN. And prior to that, you know, we we had a great relationship working with Eddie and with the Zone, and prior to that with HBO, and prior to that with Showtime with Joel. But you know, really the goal. Of working with with uh, with Eddie and with Matchroom was to line them up for Anthony Joshua. That was really the plan, you know, that we had, and uh, and it, it came to fruition. Just the fight didn't happen at the time that it was that that we thought it would, but you know, it just wasn't the time for it. And I believe that that uh, that uh, the right time for it will come. And 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 I do think that uh, Joel has the potential and the skills to be a real star in, in the division, be a real star in boxing. Uh, um, can you imagine him and Tyson Fury talking about personalities? What yeah. build up? I think the build up may be even better than the fight. You know? Can you imagine the press conferences yeah. with Jarrell and Tyson Fury? Oh my God, man! <laughs> just, just before we let you go, um, pick out a couple of guys if you can from your stable who we should be looking out for towards kind of the end of this year, twenty twenty one. Your big hopes for the future? Well, my big hope uh, for the future. Uh, I believe one of the biggest punches in boxing is Shoja Connor Gasha. Mm. He is a uh, uh, strong, skilled, powerful junior welterweight from Uzbekistan. Uh, he's a national hero. Uh, last I checked on Instagram, he had 1.1 million followers. But that, you know, it, it goes up a couple of hundred thousand every couple of days. So uh, it could be even more now. He's really special. He's been training at the Crown Gym in Detroit with Sugar Hill, who was the trainer of Tyson Fury. His boxing IQ has really gone through the roof, and he's such a big puncher. I mean, he boxes in a gym with uh, with uh, uh, bigger, more experienced, known guys. I obviously don't want to don't want to put anybody on the spot, and he just dominates and and causes pain. So I'm very excited about him. Vladimir Shishkin, 168 pound uh, undefeated fighter, also moved to Detroit to train with Sugar Hill uh, about eight months ago. Uh, he had a great performance against Yandre Ware on Showbox. Uh, then he's fought his last fight on Showtime. He injured his bicep going into the fight, but he still did a great job. Very excited about him. I think that he's uh, the best super middleweight prospect in the world. Uh, Jermaine Franklin, American heavyweight from Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, very talented. Uh, only 26 years old. 
he's fought here on on television a couple of times, fought on Showtime. Uh, very excited about his possibilities. I think that he still needs to develop some, but uh, <clears throat> in a year to eighteen months, I think he's going to be knocking on the door uh, of a world title shot. So excited about those guys. Jerico Quinn, American Super Flyweight prospect, also very good, uh, very talented, multi-time national champion. Made his American TV debut uh, in uh, uh, in January. Uh, so uh, yeah, and uh, and hopefully Clarissa Shields. Uh, We'll get her back in the ring soon, and she's going to continue to to make history, rather her, her story, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, you know making making big fights every time she steps into the ring. No, I just I just want to finish with this. I just did an interview. People asked me like, what effect did this disease have on women's boxing, and you know, and women's sports? Really, once things get back to normal, you know, the NBA, the NFL, baseball, football, people are just gonna get back to it because they've been watching it for decades. Um, women's boxing is just going through its growth now. Um, and Clarissa, while there's other great fighters in the sport of boxing, other great female fighters, great champions, but Clarissa has really been the leader, you know, due to her incredible accomplishments and her willingness to really fight the best. So, you know, every time she fights, that takes the sport of women's boxing to the next level. I mean, her ratings on TV are sensational. Uh, she fights the best and it raises the net. She has a great personality. So it raises the interest of boxing fans and sports fans to, to, you know, to give it a try and to give it a look. And she's exciting in the ring. So uh, the fact that the longer this lasts and the longer that Clarissa has to stay out of the ring, I feel like the growth of that part of boxing, the growth of women's boxing is going to be affected by it because, you know, boxing fans uh, and non-boxing fans, sports fans are still really getting to know it and getting to see it. And it's kind of being burdened now. So you know, if that's delayed, people may get killed off. People, you know, people forget quickly. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully things will come back and Clarissa will be back in the ring in the near future. And with that being said, on our YouTube channel, we have some great Clarissa fights with Hannah Gabriels, with Christina Hammer, um, and others as well that uh, boxing fans should check out. Brilliant. I'm glad you got your plug in at the end. <laughs> got to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> This is Andy Parole for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by Dazzling Darren Barker, the former IVF World Middleweight Champion. Darren, how are you doing? I'm alright. I'm just looking at my face thinking it's getting a little bit bigger, I think. A bit fuller. You want but, some no, I'm alright. <laughs> hey? You need some tips on how to grow that facial hair? No, I can't do it properly. Look, the size don't... <laughs> Anyway, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm healthy. The family's well. Um, I'm a little bit bored, but uh, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. Same as everyone else. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? We are indeed. And it's as you said. You know, you're a little bit bored now. You're probably the first person who, since lockdown, I've interviewed who isn't actively involved in a physical side to boxing. I know you do some training on the side still, but obviously you don't train Dave Allen anymore. So you're not fighting, no. you're not a trainer now. What are you actually doing to try and occupy your time currently? Um, 
Good question. Well, I've got three kids, so they're keeping me busy. Um, and I've always got other bits and pieces going on, you know. I'm um, selling a house, I'm going to buy a house, and that, anyone who's done anything like that understands that it's full on. Um, what else am I doing? Uh, I've been on a lot of house party and Zoom calls. There's been a lot of that drinking. Um, just you know what? Like, I'm, we're all in the same boat and I'm trying to take the positives out of it. I've had um, some good quality time with my family, uh, my immediate family. Uh, I'm always out and about. I'm at all the boxing shows, obviously doing a show with Chris Lloyd and Matram. So it's been nice to, to be home, I guess. Uh, I'm getting a little bit fed up now, don't get me wrong. And I'm looking forward to <clears throat> getting cracking again. Um, I've got some good ideas and good things happening. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm, in a, I'm, a, I'm in a very fortunate position. Um, um, I see, funny enough, I see Russell Brown say, you know, like he really feels for people that aren't in a... In a uh, um, Oh, what's the word he used? You know, like in a good situation, fortunate. you know, they're, they may, yeah, fortunately, you know, they might not have a, a garden or anything like that. You know, I've got a nice house. I've got, um, you know, I'm lucky. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm really, really lucky. Uh, but I'm just, I wish I could help, help a bit more. Um, but I don't have any skills. <laughs> you know, I'm not a doctor. There's not, there's not a great deal I can do to help other than I guess stay in. So that's um that's what I've been trying to do, mate. I mean, throughout your entire career working in the sport, not just as a, a fighter, but when you was training Dave and when you've worked with various fighters and managers and promoters, is there anything that you can draw experience off and compare to the sport being put on hold for whatever reason? Yeah. 100% for me uh, was injuries. So my that stopped my career. Uh, I, I had, I think, after my first hip, hip operation, well, after my brother died, I nearly had the year out. After my first hip operation, I nearly had, I had just a bang on a year out. Then I think after I fought Sergio Martinez, I think I had 14 months out. So um, you can imagine each one of those years. Yeah. Um, it's kind of in a weird way held me in good stead because there was nothing more frustrating than being an active current fighter and not being able to fight because of injury. So that for me, there wasn't, when I look at this um, time, um, those when I was fighting were far worse. And don't get me wrong, uh, when you're boxing, you're selfish. So I was purely thinking of myself. Now you're thinking about everyone else and hoping that everyone will remain safe, family, friends, etc. cetera. Uh, we want to get this death toll down. But when you're boxing, you're so in sync and in, in, in the zone, tunnel vision, that I was so frustrated. I just wanted to get over the injuries and fight. Um, I don't think, you know, we spoke about my hip injuries, blah, 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 before loads of times. But my dad always says, you don't really mention them that much, like how bad they really were. and you know, they were bad injuries. They really were bad injuries. Obviously, just picking that back up there, what's it like mentally then, dealing with the injuries and obviously, you know, your brother's passing and with what, you're de with what we're all in now, all very different circumstances, all different mental 
challenges that they bring. What would be your advice to people? How did you kind of deal with the, the mental toughness you had to go through with your time away from the sport? I think uh, once I become more mature and I understood that it, it was okay to talk, then plenty of that, plenty of talking um, is so important. You know, just even if someone's not going to lend any advice back, but is just willing to listen and uh, be that, that ear to take it all in. Um, for me, it was just about, yeah, just having an outlet, give, having someone to, to, to drive mad, if I'm honest. Um, talking so important. And uh, I, would, uh, I would urge anyone that is, you know, suffering with any sort of mental illness or, you know, a feeling low, doesn't have to be depressed, just having a bad day, pick up the phone, um, speak to someone, give someone a call. Um, if you haven't got anyone to speak to, DM me on Instagram or Twitter and I'll talk to you. You know, I think that's the most important thing. And I think... Like, it's very hard to give this advice in this current uh, state we're in. But I think it's so important to stay present, stay grounded, stay in in the now. Um, I think I've found when I look to the future, I can get anxious and a bit nervous about what the future holds for many different reasons, whether it be um, everything could go tits up and you lose all your money. illnesses and death happening to families, all different things. You can worry about the future. And I think also on the flip side, looking back to the past, you can get depressed, I think. I think you, a lot of people get stuck in certain times and they wish they could go back to certain holidays or certain relationships or certain times when life was really good um, or better than the current situation. So I think it's, it's important to stay grounded, stay present, um, because literally every second that passes is a memory. Uh, so let's try and make them good ones. Um, so that, that would be another bit of advice. And I know it's difficult to, to give that right now with what's going on, but uh, staying present is, is important. And there's a, there's a good book out. It's a very difficult book to read, uh, but it's called The Power of Now. Um, the, the guy's Urkel Tolly or something like that. It's a blue book, The Power of Now. Um, and I brought it a long time ago um, when I was giving this advice and I've highlighted some of the passages that um, uh, resonated and and stuck in my mind and now and again I might go back and just oh yeah yeah. so yeah stay present obviously you mentioned there and we've spoken about some of the, the challenges people will be facing to link it to boxing the small hall shows the fighters who are just building their way up without a big promoter behind them how do you expect the landscape to change for them when boxing returns? I've seen some people suggest that a lot of fighters may not be able to return to the sport because they're going to need to find some other form of employment because of what this layoff will do to their own situations. So how do you expect the landscape currently to impact and change the small hall? Yeah, well, certainly some fighters are going to have to put their career on hold. Um, they're going to have to somehow try and get some money in in the bank. So that may be a case of having to get a job or, or, or something like that. Some will be very fortunate that they, they're already established and they've got sponsors and people helping them. But for me, I think there will be a bit of a lag. Um, but with 
Matchroom, for example, there were so many fighters on their, their, their rostrum that I don't think it would be long before you start seeing three, four shows in a month or something like that. This is just me. I've not been told this. Um, and, it's, and it starts levelling out. Um, it's not just boxing. It's, it's all walks of life. You know, there's people that have been laid off, people that are struggling, can't pay the rent, can't pay the mortgage, this, that. Um, I think, um, again, just got to stay positive. But we're, going back to the boxing, I think... Um, it's going to be good for the fighters and the fans because, like I say, we are going to have to catch up. So there's going to be plenty of boxing. Um, I don't think many fighters are going to want to... I mean, let me use me, for example. After those layoffs that I had, the year layoffs, I just wanted to get straight back into the biggest fights possible. I did, like, I've already waited however long uh, through injury. And it's similar to this this pandemic we're going through, it's been so many weeks now, I think fighters are just going to want to, they don't want any warm-up fight, just get me in the ring against the best opponent possible. Uh, because, you know, it's been time out. You only get one crack at this career. You can't go back. Um, you know, you only hit a prime once, I believe. So I think we're going to be blessed with some big fights being made as soon as we get out of this. Is it something you're interested in? Would you would you be keen to see behind closed doors boxing events? I want to see any kind of boxing. I, I miss it so much. I just want to see boxing. Don't get me wrong. I've been involved in this sport all my life and some of the best uh, fighting I've ever seen is has been in sparring. You know, it's been, you know, in, in gyms. I've watched some great sparring uh, in, my, in my time. I've been involved in loads as well. Uh, sparring with Frotchkes, I... Gal Groves, Billy Joe Saunders, and some of the spars have been epic. And though these fights are kind of going to be like glorified sparring sessions, being behind closed doors, no atmosphere, I still think they'll deliver great fights. I still think uh, when that bell goes, I kind of used to block out the, the, the no uh, noise of the crowd anyway. Not that there was bundles supporting me anyway, but there was actually, that's hard. My support was alleged, but um, they weren't, it weren't in front of 80,000 people. Um, but yeah, I still think they'll deliver. I think the the Mac, the good thing about these behind closed doors fights is I think in order for people to be interested in them, I think they're gonna. You can't see Joe Bloggs versus a journeyman. You're gonna have to see good competitive fights. And if they are good competitive fights, I think that will show in the ring, regardless of there being no fans or not. And like I said, I've missed boxing so much. It's my life and I, and I tune in and I watch so many fights. I want to see some live action, so I couldn't care less. I mean, I know you said you haven't really got any idea of what's going on at the minute, but have you maybe doubled your hand into the matchroom world to see what their plans are? Yeah, well, yeah, sort of. Um, I can't say anything. Any any exclusives of anything you can kind of share with us? I I I, I respect the fact that you're a journalist and you've got to <laughs> ask these questions. But there's there's things happening. There's things happening. Oh, well, to watch this space. It's good to know. At least we can look forward to something, Darren. Um, also, just yeah. to move away from that, then and. To move on to Dave Allen, obviously your very good friend, somebody you used to train, recently linked up yeah. with Jamie Moore and obviously MTK is his management company. What kind of talks or knowledge did you have of the entire 
deal no, there and things up there. Um, I, I think it's a correct it's the correct move for for Davis. It's, a, it's great for him. Um, I personally didn't think he would fight after the David Price fight. Didn't really want him to fight after the David Price fight, but you got to understand it's his life. He he passed all the correct medical um, procedures, so it's, it's it's you know it's his decision. Jamie Jamie knows the sport inside out. He's a brilliant coach. He was a fantastic fighter, um, and logistically it, it works. You know, Dave's not going to have to travel as far. He was coming to London. It was an experiment for me as well. Did I want to train um, fighters? Uh, and though I enjoyed the time with Dave, um, we spent some good times at Champions and my gym 12 threes and with young Danny Morrell. It was, it was a good time. Um, we, had, we had some real good laughs. But it isn't for me. It isn't for me. My life's really uncomplicated at the minute. I've got the gyms at the minute. Um, I'm doing the work with Matchroom. I've got other bits and pieces going on. Um, I can I can probably leak something now because this involves me anyway. But me and Joe Calzaghe are going to do a podcast when this all ends. Um, so there's lots of things going on. And... Uh, it just, it took up too much of my time. You know, I'm a family man as well. Um, but I wish Dave all the best. Uh, he's with MTK. I know they'll look after him, as will Jamie. Um, so he's in safe hands. I know you're obviously very close with Dave still. Did he talk to you about it all before he made that decision, get your thoughts on what, what he was looking to do at the time? Yeah, sort of. Not so much uh, as far as Jamie's concerned or me being a coach, really. It was just like, it was before the price fight, um, something happened, not between me and Dave, and, and he went back up north and didn't really want to come back down to London. And at that point, it kind of, it, it was, the writing was on the wall. Certainly on my part, anyway, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, Dave didn't want to come to London anymore. And it was, that had already, was kind of obvious that we wasn't going to work together anymore. Um, but Dave just needed time after the price fight um, to work out if he still wanted to do it. And he does, and uh, I wish him all the best moving forward. Um, I've seen Dave do some things in the gym that, that has really impressed me. It's about now Jamie and Dave finding a way of extracting that on fight night because Dave would have seen many of them. Jamie would have seen loads of them as would have loads of coaches and loads of fighters out there, there's such thing as somebody called a gym fighter. And that's someone who looks unbelievable whilst they're training, inspiring, blah, blah, blah. But for whatever reason, whether it's nerves, uh, pressure, I don't know. Under those bright lights in front of those TV cameras, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And I think if Dave can't show on fight night how good he can be, he will fall in that bracket, unfortunately, because he, you know, he can move. He's got quick hands. He can move his head, but he just doesn't do it. And I, and I just find, I hope they find a way because I'll be over the moon if he goes on and wins a title of some sort. I spoke to Jamie a couple of weeks after the announcement, and Jamie said the same the thing. Oh, <laughs> I saw it earlier, but everybody else can see it now. He's going to keep growing it. He's going to get a ponytail okay. from the looks of it. Ah, oh, no way. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one for a man bum. Um, just to go back to that, Darren. Obviously, I spoke to Jamie Moore a couple of weeks after the announcement that him and Dave were teaming up. 
and Jamie said that he's always seen the talent in Dave and for whatever reason he just hasn't quite been able to deliver it on the nights. Why do you think it is? We've all seen the footage of you you both working together phenomenally in training, but yeah. whatever reason we didn't see in the fight, well, what do you think that is? That's what I'm saying. Is it pressure? Is it is it um, nerves? I've seen plenty of gym fighters. Um, for me, I, I, I use the approach with Dave for, for the David Price fight. I... I tried to fill him with so much confidence. And it wasn't false praise. I was letting him know in training, sometimes on the bag or in the shadow, whilst he was shadow boxing, I'd stop him and say, Dave, look what you're doing there. You know, look at, look at that. If you can transfer that on fight night, you're a handful for anyone. He's got a great chin, we've seen that. He can whack, we've seen that against Webb and Brown with a body shot. Um, so, he could be a nightmare. Don't get me wrong. He's one thing that does. It's out of his hands, really. He can never make cruiserweight, but he's a he's a he's a kind of a small heavyweight. He's solid, stocky, but they're giants now, aren't they? So that's always going to be a disadvantage to him. But I've I've stopped him, like I say, many times in training. Said, so, you know, look, trans do that in the ring on fight night, and you're a nightmare for anyone. But he something happens, and he just doesn't do it. Um, Dave will be the first one to admit this, I'm sure. Um, and, and in some ways, it's kind of a good thing because if he can, I'm, it's, it's, it, I wouldn't so much say it's a negative, negative because there is a side to him that I think is very good, but we yet to properly see it. And if they can find a way of extracting that and getting it out of him, um, I do think he will win some sort of title. I do. I think he. I think he's good enough to do it. He's just got to go through the gears more. He's got to be more. You know, he's got to move his head. He's got to avoid shots as opposed to taking them. Uh, that's secondary. The fact that he's got a good chin, you don't want to have to rely on that. So, don't move your head, move your feet, go through the gears, uh, let your hands go. Um, and if you can, I'm sure. I'm sure, look, James, Like I say, Jamie's a great coach, and I, and I really hope he does find a way. And I hope Dave listens, and he and he can. Get it in, get the wheels in motion for for these big fights. You know, if they do happen again. Do you know of any talks that have taken place whilst everybody's been in lockdown? Potential opponents. Um, no, to be honest with you, I think it's been pretty quiet. To be honest with you, obviously there was little little bits before the lockdown of you know who the potential next opponent was, and I was in camp for May second for the potential Canelo fight, and then I knew if that never happened, I'd like to fight sometime in May. So I was in camp, but obviously all this has come about and it's kind of froze boxing for for a few months. But the minute we get the green light again, I'll be on to ready to get in the biggest fight possible. Obviously, we've seen you defend your titles against Hassan Endam in New York and John Ryder, who was a mandatory defence. Neither of those names were ever going to set the world alight. Hassan Endam, you know, is a multi-weight, not multi-weight, multi-time world champion. He was moving up from middleweight, so naturally everyone was looking at the size difference. And you won in very convincing fashion there, your uh, stoppage victory. And then with John Ryder, again, not a big name, but he was a mandatory defence you had to get through. Yeah. When boxing returns, are you feeling an added pressure now to fight 
one of the other world champions or Danny Jacobs, you know, a big name? Um, it's, it's just not pressure on my behalf because I'm not the promoter. I don't, I don't make the fights, but I feel myself there the fights I want. No, I didn't know I'd become a world champion and it was either you've reached the top of the mountain or set yourself new goals. And my goals were to go and have the biggest fights possible and see how good I really was and test myself. And ideally, I wouldn't have had the, you know, the two fights that I've had since. They, they're not, in my opinion, they're not the, the big names during the unification fights. And you know, I thought become world champion within, you no, know, I think I've been world champion a year and a half now. I thought I would have had a unification fight by now or, or a fight against one of the big names. And I haven't, but I'm still world champion. I've got to just stay patient and I've had to show a lot of patience throughout my career and it's, it has paid off so far. So as long as I just continue to do what I'm doing, stay in the gym, keep busy, keep working, make sure and keep improving. I'm sure the fights will come and I'll be ready when they do come. I remember last year when you was kind of toying and kind of working around and looking through different offers from various promoters about maybe going to sign with them. Obviously in the end, you signed with Eddie. Eddie, by his own admission, has said it himself. A lot of his fighters are only on one point deals. The same applies for you. Is there maybe any other temptations to look elsewhere or are you still committed to, to sticking with a plan that Eddie's put in place? Um, not the minute I said he's got a plan and you know, when this this lockdown finishes we'll sit down and see what it is but I've always said I've, it's a short career I've got to do what's best for me and you no, know, last year when all that was happening I was yeah last year when all that was happening I feel like I went the best place for me and I continue to do that and you know, if things change then they do but at the moment I feel I'm in the best place for me possible and you no, know, we'll see what the future holds Let's just touch on some of those possible thoughts then. Uh, Danny Jacobs was a yeah. name that had been bandied about for a while, but only up until probably these past couple months ago, and more so when you went on the Instagram live with Eddie, but it really started yeah. to kind of gain some recognition as possibly happening. How long have you kind of been considering Danny as a possible opponent? Um, I don't know. He, he moved up to Super Mario Wait till he said he's moving up after the Canelo fight, so... And when he was at Matchroom, I see Matchroom mention him a few times, linked with me. So, he's, listen, he's a big name outside the world champions. He's probably the biggest name in the division. So, obviously, apart from Canelo. But he, he's a good fighter. He's got a big profile over in the States. And a win over him would boost my profile, definitely. But the minute he had a fight at Super Middle now, he'd be Chavez, who's another big name in the division. His name come out there a little bit more. But I think listening to him speak, I think he wants another fight before fighting possibly myself or one of the other big names in the division. That's just, I think he wants to fight Gabe Rosado, which you know, they had a bit of an argument in, in Arizona at, the, at his last fight. So that was the impression I was getting from. Listen, it may change with all this you know, lockdown and you know, wasting time kind of thing. You know, he's, he's not the youngest. He's at another business end of his career. He probably wants the biggest fights possible as I do myself. So it's a possible fight, and if, if if he does want to fight and I have to fight, then it shouldn't be too hard to make. We're both with the same promoter, both fight on the same network, so it should be pretty simple. But again, it allows with him and what, what he wants to do. Caleb Plant, obviously the IBF title holder. I remember back in February, you know, he mentioned and he brought he said in, in numerous interviews that he put an offer to yourself and Eddie and yes. took Lovkin's team to try and make a fight with one of you guys. Where did all of that kind of end in the end? Um. I did never. I, I replied back. They, they never made an offer. They, I think they, they come on and said, "Would I be interested in a fight?" And Eddie replied, "Yeah, if he doesn't get the Canelo fight, of course he'd be interested." So they said, "Well, we'll come back with with an offer." And then obviously all this stuff's happened. But 
I seen an interview with him the other day saying, no, it still stands. He still would like to fight me once this is done. So that's a great fighter. Listen, I think he's a good fighter. I believe I'm the best in the world and I want to be unified champion. So I think that's a fight. That's a fight that does excite me. That's a, a motivating fight. And it's a big fight for, for not only me, but for the division. So when all this finishes, maybe we can sit down and we can get a fight sorted. But it's hard you know, sitting here. I'm not going to call anyone out over social media, but it's a, it's a very good fight. And if he's interested, then I'm certainly interested. How do you think the fight between yourself and Caleb will play out? Because all of you guys at the top of the division all got very different styles. There's nobody with a, a similar style. Yeah, it's a good fight. He's, you know, he's, a, he's a good boxer. He's got OK power, but he, I think his, his best attribute is ability, his skill. He's, you know, he's a good mover. He's quite slick. He throws a lot of combination punches rather than you know, the one big power punches. And you know, He's an unbeaten world champion, so he deserves respect. But I believe I beat him. I believe I'm the better fighter. And, I'd like to prove it. I'd like to become a unified world champion. So hopefully, you know, that fight can happen, whether it's next or whether it's in the future. I believe it will happen as long as we both keep winning. I know you've just mentioned there as well, you know, you're not one to call people out. As everybody will know, you're a very nice guy. You keep yourself to yourself. You're not looking to, to cause any issues. And once again, thank you for giving up some time to me today because I, I know that you're not big on, you know, doing many interviews. But... Do you ever feel like it has possibly hindered where you stand in the division, not calling people out, not being a bit more vocal? Um, possibly. No, I've been told over the years you need to get yourself out more, you need to do this more on social media and get your profile. Whereas I've always believed if I'm good enough and I keep winning, I'll become a world champion. If I become a world champion, I'll make you know, the money. They're the two things people want out of the sport. and. Well, so far, I've done that. I've kept winning. I haven't called anyone out. I've done me talking in the ring, so to speak, and cheese as it sounds. And I've become a world champion. I'm the number one in the division. So I think I am proof that you don't have to call people out. You don't have to create this character. You don't have to be big on social media. So I'd rather be able to fight and not be a, you know, a big person on social media than rather than you know, there's some you've got who are big on social media and can't actually do it when you get in the ring. But so maybe I would be a bigger profile. Maybe I would be considered a little bit better if you know, I was out there a little bit more but I am who I am it's not me I'm not going to all of a sudden start becoming this character and calling people out because I think people will just say well that's not really him I think I've left it a little bit too late to start doing it but I'm not going to as much as I don't call people out I am confident in my own ability and I believe I'll be tennis shooting middleweight in the world I'm just not going to start you know, calling them out on social media but I'll never shy away from a fight and Every fighter at the office to me, I always say, yeah, and I say, I believe I'm, I'm confident I can beat anyone on the planet. Before I do let you leave, Cal, I'm just trying to get your thoughts on a couple of fights away from your division. A lot of talk, obviously, the potential undisputed heavyweight title fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury, if it was to happen in the near future. What are your thoughts on it if we was to see it? It's a good fight. It's another one as a boxing fan I'd love to see. I think it's got to happen. Unified or four belts, five including the ring magazine, doesn't happen often, and it certainly doesn't happen with two Brits. No, we've never had that in. No, all the belts belong to Brits in one division. So I think it's got to happen. If it doesn't, it, it's a, it's a, it's a shame. But in terms of wins, it's a tough one. I think at different stages in the career, you know, I'm not one of them to to judge people off the last performance and say, oh, he beats him. If you're going off form, then I think Fury's probably in the better form. He's coming off the bigger win, but. Listen, we can both beat each other. Fiori could you know, keep it long, box and frustrate Joshua. Now, Joshua catches Fiori. You know, he can hurt him, as he's shown. He can hurt a lot of other heavyweights. It is an interesting one. 
Um, probably going to sit on the fence. But I think if you're going off form, then you've got to go with Fury at the minute. But that's if the fight happens now. If the fight happens in a few fights down the line, then it could be different. Another fight I wanted to get your thoughts on is uh, Brook versus Crawford. Some talks where Bob Aaron mentioned it, Terence Crawford mentioned it. What are your thoughts if Cal Brook was to face Terence Crawford? Look, it's a good fight. I, I, I do rate Cal. I think as an activity, and you no, know, as he had a couple of tough fights over, over over the years that probably took a little bit out of him. Is he as good as what he was? Probably not. I think Crawford's a you no know, special fighter. He's a very very good fighter and top five pound for pound. And it'd be a tough ask for Kel. I think you know, stylistically it is a good fight, but I think you've got to. You've got to lean with Crawford on that one. Previously, Liam was mentioned to possibly face Cal on the back of Cal's victory in Sheffield last time out. Did did anything go anywhere with that? What what were the talks if there were any like? Um, I don't know. I think that the position they both been in, obviously the both were ready. They both in similar positions, and they both won a world title shot. Neither of them are world champions, but the both probably good enough to become world champion again. And if Eddie couldn't deliver either of them a world title shot, then why not put them both in together and the winner will probably earn a world title shot out of it. But I think with all this coming about with the you know, the COVID nineteen stuff, it kinda of really got put on pause. But I think they both they both want the fight. I think if Brooke can get you know, a Crawford fight or something like that, then you know, he's got to choose that fight over Liam. Whereas I think if he can't secure any of that big fight and Liam can't secure a big fight, then I don't think it makes sense for them to fight each other. Well, Callum, I will leave that there now because I know that you can want to have have your rest of your evening with your family and you've heard enough of my yeah. Birmingham accent. He's done now, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your time, mate. I appreciate you giving it up. No worries, mate. Before I let you go, what would you like to say to everybody who will tune in and watch this interview? Um, stay indoors, stay safe. You know, the, the more you stay indoors, the quicker we'll be out of this and get back to boxing and hopefully we'll be boxing on, on the telly for everyone to watch. Um, I appreciate that, mate. And as always, I hope you guys stay safe as well. And I'll hopefully see you mm-hmm. soon in person. Best of luck yeah. with the rest of quarantine and everything that's to come. And I hope Liam and his baby are well as well. I'll speak to you soon, uh, mate. Thanks, thanks mate. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.